Welcome y'all to the Black Hoof Saloon, a Wild West Exodus podcast. Mosey on up to the bar and get yourself a bottle of fire water or a glass of sarsaparilla and listen to some good old yarns about adventures of law dogs, outlaws, and weird creatures. So set a spell, water your ride, or your rider, and get ready to tune up your posses. This is the Black Hoof Saloon. Howdy, howdy, dudes and dudettes, and welcome again to another episode of the Black Hoof Saloon, a Wild West Exodus podcast. This is Eric here, and I am joined with my co-host, Tom and Brian. Evening. Howdy, folks. Uh, are you painting again tonight, Brian, while we podcast? I am not painting tonight. My wet palette is currently um, awaiting a full cleaning. Uh, I went to change my paper and, and discovered that it was it was time. So I'm currently awaiting uh, being away from my hobby desk long enough to actually clean it. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I've actually been putting together the scalpers or the you know the upgraded hands unit for the Warrior Nation. Okay, okay. So your wet palette kind of got something a little bit like a hex oriented, slimy and gross and. Just, kind of like snot. Like, <laughs> there wasn't any. There wasn't any fungus growing. Oh, that's it, good. It was. It, it it had a slick feel to it. So, so, so Brian's not making any penicillin. Uh, that's why he's not right. sharing his video tonight. He usually has his video on and holds up whatever he's working on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> teasing us. So I didn't know my video was off. <laughs> oh, there you go. Technicals, technical difficulties. There he is. <laughs> and what's funny is I have been show- holding stuff up for y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what else have we all been working on? So, here, I'll go read the things I showed you. You know, hey, there we go. That's the brush we were talking about. You need working on his saloon. What else we've we been working on? Uh, Brian's replacing his wet palette. Um, I've been trying to work on painting for uh, Adepticon coming up in, ooh, that's about a month. How How's everybody's resolutions going so far? I mean, I know <laughs> we're only a month in, but hey, I, you, get, you know, we can't be like the, everybody that says, I'm going to lose weight, and then after a month, they're done. Well, I said I would get a mini painted this year, and I've got 10 months left. <laughs> <laughs> Do you got the brushes just sitting by him, Tom? Um, I have nothing out right now. Uh, my my entire basement where I could work is torn apart at the moment. We're oh. refinishing it. So we have shelves in, and some stuff is on the shelves, but uh, otherwise everything else is in stacks on the floor and uh, can barely move around. So one day. <laughs> yeah, my, my resolution was to paint more, and I've been – doing it i've been struggling with it it's been kind of busy the typical winter busyness for me and my my day job at the post office so i'm getting home so late and by the time you get everything done at you know dinner and dishes and all that stuff it's like almost 10 o'clock and it's like by that point you're just kind of wiped out to go sit and paint yeah so i've been only getting like half hour hour you know every couple nights in and then I've been trying to work on getting the new store. I know, Brian, you said you wanted to kind of try and 
get some new stores uh, going that are a little bit closer to you and uh, just set up some demo days. And uh, I've been noticing a lot more activity of uh, different people in the community kind of setting up more demo days at either local cons or local stores. So you any luck with that, Brian? Um, no, I, I've talked to some folks. So I, I, I think, you know, the, the current season right now, my daughter's, she's, she's a junior. So I've had several of my weekends free to do stuff like that, uh, occupied by college visits. Uh, uh, uh that's, that, that's, that's been entertaining. Uh, but I've gotten some painting done. We were, uh, talk about the saloon that I've been working on. So it's, uh, it's, um, uh, close to finishing i also built floors for it oh so it'll that's right an interior that was hollow eventually. like the uh oh what building was it was it the doctor's office post office had the no floor also right so none of the wild west Exodus buildings that war cradles designed has flooring except for the jail okay and the jail has flooring because they put the jail cells inside the building you know it's kind of an iconic building you know, got to put some cells in it. So yeah, they yeah. went ahead and did that for us. Uh, all the other buildings have no floors. And because this is a two-story building, it's the first two-story war cradle building I bought. I was like, eh, we should put floors in it. So I put floors in it. Yeah, then we can have some custom, you know, design scenario that revolves around it. And you can have people in it and whatnot. And not just sit in it and hide. <laughs> And, you know, when you put it on the table and it's all closed up, no one knows, and then you can do that drum roll reveal, and they're like, whoa, wicked. <laughs> I can't do that. I can, you know, grin and go, ah. <laughs> <laughs> You got to put a little speaker in the building for when you reveal it, and it goes, da-da-da. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I could go over to, you know, Build-A-Bear. Because they have those little discs they put in the bears. Oh, God. I can just buy a disc where you can pre-record your own little thing. So he's <laughs> going to go to build a bear, and they probably won't let him just buy that. You have to buy a bear, sir. <laughs> He'll build no, a little he's, he's, he's going to get one of the pre-made ones. It's, it's going to be like, Evie, <laughs> something like that every time he presses <laughs> it. Where I'm over here with my X-Acto knife cutting into him to get the thingy out. <laughs> Daddy, what are you doing? <laughs> Nothing. Go to bed. <laughs> it's my bear. <laughs> well, in lieu of uh, a saloon, so last episode we unveiled that we are going to do a contest giveaway. It's our first contest giveaway, and it's something that we wanted to do uh, kind of in line with our anniversary episode that's coming up in a couple months, uh, episode 12. Of course, 12 months, one year anniversary. And we wanted to have a contest where you guys, the listeners, submitted like a short story of some kind of subject in Wild West Exodus that, you know, we will pick. It could be funny. It could be, you know, whatever you guys want. And the, really the only rules that we had were that you have to uh, include our saloon, the Black Hoof Saloon, somehow in the story. It could be the place or it could be just, you know, you mention it, it's in the town or something, somehow in your guys' story. And then our other little rule was to include our three roles or, you know, our little saloon icons 
characters that you would find that the three of us mentioned way back in the beginning of the show. Include, don't tell them. Don't tell don't them. Tell Make them, them search. All right. <laughs> Go through our past episodes and you'll find it. Um, so you have to just include those two things. And if we're going to pick one of the stories and we actually kind of briefly discussed about like depending on how long it was and if there was like dialogue type thing, we may actually maybe produce it into like uh, a, a you know, a dramatization of it or something. And I I don't think that's something that we would put, so to say, in an episode, but maybe make it do like a sideshow, a little bonus type thing that people can go and listen to. It depends on the length and what we do with it type thing. But we mentioned that we did not have a the giveaway prize picked out yet. And what we're going to do for you guys, whoever's little story that we pick and wins the contest, we were going to give away one of the War Cradle uh, saloons. The, that uh, that was like in the second wave, I believe. We were just talking about it's a two-story saloon. It, it actually has little swinging doors on it, which is awesome. And we're going to go ahead and give that away as as the giveaway prize for this contest. So um, if you guys want to be part of it, go ahead and submit your stories by, I think I determined by April 10th. It gives gives us a little time to review them and pick it for that 12th episode, which we tend to usually release towards the end of the month. So the end of April is when the episode would come out that we would reveal who was the winner, and that's going to be our anniversary episode. So who knows what else we'll be doing in the episode. And... We may even throw in for that prize, not just a saloon, but maybe maybe something extra. We don't know. Uh, we'll see how we feel. <laughs> uh, some little bonus stuff. So, yeah, you guys, go ahead, and when you submit those, just, just send them to our, our Gmail account. That's uh, blackhoofsaloon at gmail.com, and then that way all of us can review it. And, you know, if it makes us laugh, it, you know, makes us cry, who knows? We, we'll, we'll determine who the, the best one is. So that is our first contest giveaway. I hope uh, to see some interesting stories. Uh, we have a pretty, I think, imaginative community that who knows what we're going to get. I'm excited. I am too. I, I, I do. I think it'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be fun. I mean, like we we mentioned in the last episode when we first mentioned this, it's it's a it's a great way for listeners and community to kind of part of the show, which we've always told is that you know we we love when you guys write in and comment and stuff, and uh, we can interact with you guys more than just you know posting on the dark council as a comment or something uh or liking a picture that somebody's you know one of their projects they're working on so it'll be fun for sure uh i'm trying to think what else can we talk about nothing we've run out of topics we'll have to shut down the show (laughs) 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 so um did you guys see anything interesting uh, in the since our last recording uh, on the interwebs, like on Dark Council or any interesting posts that you think uh, generate some 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 gab from us? I saw one today that kind of made me laugh, and it was Mike Pierce trying to call out people for uh, 
Adepticon, and he he posted, uh, you know, uh, basically everybody's quiet and they're all preparing to face him. And then he posts that little gif uh, from the good, the bad, and the ugly, where they just focus on everybody's eyes. That gave me a good chuckle. Yep, I saw that, and uh, you know, I, I, my response was like, "Oh man, I really got to get on that, don't I?" <laughs> so. <laughs> My my response was to uh, blot my eyes so no one could see the tears. <laughs> I oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh man, you killing me, Brian? <laughs> Just hop a freight train, and get up there. Yeah, in the boxcar. In the in the boxcar <laughs> with his little handkerchief tied over his shoulder and a stick. <laughs> no, it'll be the Kyle the red, red and black bag with all my models in it. <laughs> he can he can be boxcar Brian. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you what. When you get up there, you can sleep in my car. I mean, I'm going to be in a hotel, but you can sleep in my car. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You're going to provide a sleeping bag at least. What do I look like, Rockefeller? <laughs> <laughs> Well, with the top hat, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, we got, uh, we've noticed online too also a lot of, uh, so we're in that time of the, the, the little teaser previews. So there's been quite a few of them. How many have we, have we seen so far? I mean, I've seen three. Is that all we've gotten? Fourth one came out today, I believe. Okay. So I'm terrible at those teasers. Everyone's always like, oh, it's this, it's that. I look at that going, I don't know what the hell that thing is. <laughs> yeah. so, like Today's teaser was, you know, a little close-up of the shoulder and neck of one of the new uh, Wolfpack models. Yeah, that with, come the, with uh, the new... Had the feathers. Right. So it's, it's, it's one of the new units that they've added. The card's actually in the shop, so mm. or in the on the website so you can check it out and it's it's basically spirit wolves that now are something that you can use with synergy with one of the new models in uh ghost wolf's posse box is that kind of like the, the what like a sikkim type of rule or something um no it's not redu- it's not a redundancy kind of rule. okay something new then yeah it's it's it, it's something new that's unique to um uh, the new model, you know, I don't have it in front of me, so I don't couldn't tell to, you all the name. I'll have to go uh, check it out. Female model with the, you know, tomahawks, and she's leaping. Yeah, leaping over everything. So uh, she's the new model. She she has uh, a new power basically that involves the wolf packs that okay. you bring in the posse. With. So um, you know, uh, the the issue is the box comes with two, and that won't be enough. Because it's a, probably up to what, like a six-unit type thing, like with the wow. other dogs. You're gonna want to bring a couple of different units yeah. with multiple uh, dogs in it. That that way you can really benefit from this this special synergy and stuff. So, I the, my guess is that sneak peek was to announce that you know up for pre-order next month will yeah. be a, a box of two of those. That way you can. You know, some more increasing the size of the wolf packs. Some more bags. Uh, what, what I really like, what I really like about that box set is um, the hunting wolves and the uh, Wayland Spirit Walkers. Stewart came out and said, I think it was Stewart who came out and said that uh, they are not unique. I think um, because that was the original 
uh, Sitting Bull model. Yeah. People thought you thought that these were going to be unique units, and they're not. So buying the box set doesn't leave you in the position of I already have half of these. Yeah. Because now that you have multiple units that can be built in there, so I kind of like that. Yeah, I, oh, I yeah. have some of the old those old ones from him. So if I get that box set, I'm going to have two of them at least now. Yep. So Well, now you can put together bigger units. Yep. So. Yeah, that that posse. I'm looking actually looking forward to that too. Keep track of what they're doing. They're <laughs> <laughs> doing it on purpose or something. Well, listen, guys, why don't we wrap up our rambling here in this intro before we turn it from a little intro into a big intro and move into some of our segments for the episode where we're going to start looking at the adventure scenarios for the game of Wild West Exodus. And we're going to go ahead and pick them apart a little bit. Okay, guys, today in our segment, we're going to kind of touch on the adventure scenarios that they have for Wild West Exodus. Uh, We actually thought about something that we probably could have done a while back, but with like tournament season starting and different uh, cons coming up, like Adepticon, it's something to take a look at because you're probably going to see it out on the table. So the adventures scenarios that they they have in the uh in the game one of the things you have to think about is uh you know the players decide what size game they want to play first and then in a tournament the organizer will have kind of the game size beforehand and usually they'll use the the common adventures as they're known in the rule book and they're kind of designed for either the 3 by 3 size or the 4 by 4 area and they have a list for the points but I mean, most of the time we usually play on the four by four and, you know, it's fine for any point, you know, size posses that you guys have. So one of the things you're first going to look at is your game size. And then you're going to, of course, go ahead and build your force. And after you have that set, the players are going to roll for which adventure scenario that they're going to play. Now, the way you would do that is you roll a D10, and in the book, they have like a little chart that says, you know, one to two is this one, three to four is this one, and and so forth. Or you could also, a lot of times, like in our casual days, you could just pick one if you want. Uh, A lot of people have favorite ones. There's actually certain ones that I like to pick for if we're doing a, a, a demo or you're trying to, you know, show somebody... How to play the game a lot of times i like to pick the supply run scenario or even treasure hunt because it's they're pretty straightforward for somebody that doesn't really know much about the game uh what their objectives are for the game so that's something to think about and then what you do is you kind of set up the table based on what the little scenario calls for because some of them have uh, certain objectives, like you have to control a building. So you want to kind of set it up so the the table and the terrain is even for everybody. In a, in a tournament aspect, usually the uh, event organizer will have 
kind of that already done for everybody. So at a tournament, you won't have to worry about setting up a table. So for deployment, it's just like normal, you know, both players shuffle their action deck and draw the top card, player with the highest card uh, number found in the, the little corner, the small number, will be player A, so deploys first, and then player B, you know, they go ahead and they start their discard pile for the, the action cards. And you start to set up, and you go back and forth taking turns. Now, player A does get to choose which deployment zone that they want, so you kind of look at that. Uh, a lot of times we're very casual with that, and, you know, for a casual game, we just set up wherever. But like I said, then, you know, player B will deploy one, and you just go back and forth, continuing to alternate. Now, if one player finishes deploying all their units first... And I know we've talked a little bit about this before in some of the past episodes. Uh, the other player continues to deploy the rest of all their guys. Any units with dis dispersed deployment special rule are deployed, starting with player B. And then finally, any units with trail finder rule will take their moves also, um, also starting with player B. So at the end of deployment... If player B finished first, they have a chance to steal the initiative for the first turn away from player A by flipping another card. And if they're higher, then they can go first for the, that first turn of the game. So then, you guys, basically, you start playing your game with this scenario. Did I forget why, something? No, just why, why, would, why do you think they did that? Well, I think... Part of it is just to balance it out for both players. Um, I mean, you know, like if you're... Or, or I guess the guy with fewer models, yes. obviously, he's going to deploy first. So it's like a, a like a mulligan and gives that guy a little bit of a, 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 a help because having less units sometimes can be a detriment to the game. Yeah. So it gives him a little... Gives him a edge. chance to basically that he can strike first type of thing or go for an objective in the scenario first. So... I, I I do like that ability. A lot of times we forget about the the whole player B finishing first and can try to steal initiative. A lot of times we just don't even think of that. So that's something to try to remember when you guys are playing. And uh, I mean, you know, that's okay in casual games, but I think for tournament stuff, it's something to keep keep them, you know, keep track of. Especially if you have a lower model count in your box. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you don't want to be outgunned too fast let's let's look at what's great so that was just kind of the beginning of the scenarios like how you set up and stuff but what's great about adventures the scenario adventures one of the things i think that's cool about the scenarios that we didn't have in first edition is that the scenarios give you some kind of a goal in the game and not just go out there and see who can gun down the other player the fastest. I think that's like one of the, my favorite things of the new edition is that it gives you, you know, some story in your games and it can create those those cinematic events because you got, you know, the the models, the characters in the game trying to achieve some kind of goal for points. Uh so it's I think that's right. a fantastic thing. Right. So in the first edition, there were three ways to to victory. And one of them, the third way was you got you you got the points that the models that you killed were cost for the game. 
So if you didn't want to bother with the scenario, you just killed as many of the other guys' models, and you sometimes would completely obliterate them in points. And that will, you know, Tom, remember in Adepticon at the tournaments there, that was one of the biggest things that we saw was the flaw with that scenario system was you had some players literally ignore the scenario and the other player would focus on the scenario and do all the primary, get all the primary points, but then it would still lose. Yeah. And that's one of the things that is good about the second edition is if you focus on the primary, you're likely to be able to get enough points that it's very difficult for your opponent to win if they aren't at least attempting it. Because the only other way to score points in scenarios is adventure cards. Yeah. Yep. Having a way to win other than shooting your opponent off the table, I think, is a big key. Um, it, it's just more fun. You yeah. know, the first couple of times you play shooting each other off might be okay, but that gets repetitive quick. Right. So have, having an actual objective, having something you're trying to achieve, uh, keeps it much more interesting. Yeah, and I think out of the four, uh, uh, the five common object uh, scenarios, only one of them is points for kill. Yeah, and uh, you know all the other four are you know victory points based on the objectives of the scenario, and uh, and that's really cool. And and then we're not going to go deep dive into the Badlands, but the Badlands also, you know, that's five more scenarios and also aren't, uh, you know, aren't a kill, kill your opponent based scenario. It's, it's, there's a lot uh, of story in the Badland ones. Right. So something that, uh, so since we're kind of talking about the victory, so the way victory works with the scenarios is they generally run five turns and the person that has the most points from the objectives, or like we mentioned, the adventure cards, is the one that wins. Now, they do have one little, like, bonus thing that the winner will get a bonus five points by round three if the other player has, like, nobody left, if they got wiped off the board. Um, That won't come into play too much for your casual games, but in a tournament aspect, that's another thing that you kind of want to maybe keep in mind. Um I always, I don't think I've ever played with that little bonus thing. Of course, I haven't been in a official tournament, so. Well, I mean, yeah. When when we play, uh, if you get to, if it's not round five and your your opponent loses, or even gets to a point where he knows there's no way for him to score enough points to to win, and they just throw the game. Yeah. I mean, we never really need to calculate the points and say, well, oh, I got five more. I yeah. mean, it's usually a moot point by then. <laughs> yeah, a lot of times. But it would, it would matter in a tournament. Yeah. A lot of times we still we still play it out a lot of times just to, you know, you kind of want to get to know your characters and everything still and how the models work. So uh, in the casual games, we still play it out. You know, it's like, yeah, you, you killed me, landslide and stuff, but hey, I still got to kind of use this guy and see how he works. It's like my last game. He, he only had two female agents, and, and I literally only lost two of my ranger ranger hands mm-hmm. so i still had i mean there was no way he would even come close i mean at the end of round two there was no more game for him it was close to impossible for him to outscore me at that point yeah so there was no point in continuing and really since it wasn't a tournament that didn't matter how many victory points i had at that point you know yeah in a tournament you would want to keep track of those and you would want to make sure you give those five points because it would matter 
as the brackets fill and your points are compared to everyone else's points, you know. Yeah, I mean, you could come in that situation where you need a tiebreaker and those five points could help, you know, push you one way or the other. Well, all right. Why don't we go over? Want to go ahead and list them, uh, Brian? Okay. So the common adventures are supply run, uh, higher ground, stake a claim, send a message, and treasure hunt. So, hey, Tom, which one is your favorite? (laughs) Really? That's awesome. (laughs) Don't bother me. I'm painting. (laughs) So tonight we have kind of reversal. Usually it's Brian that's working on something while we're recording. Tom busted out paints, and we can see the top of his head tonight. <laughs> it's probably a little more entertaining. He has more hair than I do. <laughs> it's all about it's all about the dip. Yep. It's all about the dip. And he's not talking about so Red Eric, Man. Which is your favorite common adventure? Well, like I Treasure I, Hunt. I kind of I touched on like the ones that I like to use for like demos and uh, newer players are uh, Supply Run or. Um... That's not a question. <laughs> I'm not asking you which ones you like to demo. Durr. Which one which do one I like the most? Well, see that's the problem because I do it so much. I think just by default it it's become my favorite one. I like Treasure Hunt the most. I think. Treasure Hunt. Yeah. Um, like the last time I played it, it was kind of funny. So I did maybe one search in that one. And then my opponent was getting up on the, the tokens on his side of the board, like way faster than I was. So I, I got caught up where I was doing defense all of a sudden, but luckily my defense played into a lot of the adventure cards I had. So a lot of my points I was getting was from the adventure cards. So right. I was preventing him from getting points from the objection, you know, the objectives, but he wasn't thinking about his adventure cards at the same time. Whereas right. I was doing the opposite. I I did do an objective, but I was forced to go on that side of the board and kind of okay, I got to prevent him from getting them. So yeah. yeah, I like that one. I just I like the the variety you can have with the setup of the objectives on that. Uh, depending right. on what your board setup is, it, it's one of the. It's like an iconic kind of scenario. Treasure hunt. Is. Yeah, it's you know, each each player gets to place three loot markers, and during your your turn, you have to get your uh one of your models up against these tokens, and you you spend an action and search, and if it's even, it's it's actually treasure. Yeah. And yeah. you can get victory points if you maintain base to base with this loot token. Yeah. If it's an odd number, it's ain't, it ain't squat. And that's one of the things and I like. You don't know what you're gonna roll when you do that search. It could be it could be gold. It could be yeah, dust. <laughs> right. So I mean, so what what's neat what what's often happens to me is I get get up to these these objective tokens and I, you, and of course it's actually takes an action out of your model. So you have to set yourself up to be able to do it. Yeah. And, and for some reason, I literally always roll, roll odd number when I, <laughs> when I start. <laughs> so I, I like yeah. quickly help my other, uh, my opponent <laughs> find the rest of these, uh, these treasures because of the six only, uh, I'm, what, only half only of them, right? Of them. Yeah, only three of the tokens can be treasure, and it just so happens that every time I I like get all the searches out, and it's like, oh crap! Now, 
they're all on the other side of the board. Yeah, yeah. So let's go over the objective since we were just we're talking about treasure hunt. So the objective Brian mentioned is the model needs to be in base contact with the token at the start of the activation. They can make search action, investigate the token by rolling a d10. Odd number, it's nothing. Even it's something. You automatically get two victory points. And then they have the thing, once three tokens are uncovered, you remove all the rest. So it kind of is in your benefit to try to get to them fast because you could get caught where your opponent finds them all on his side. Well, all of a sudden that makes all yours nothing. So you got to pull them off the board. Right. And then you you also, so the player will also gain a victory point at the end of each turn for each treasure token that they are controlling. So if they have one or more friendly models and base contact with it, they'll get that point. Unless there's an enemy model on it too. So you can run blocker and disrupt by just getting a guy up there touching the same token. So yeah, that that's a fun one. I, I like that one a lot. I do too. It, it, it also reminds me of there. there's a lot of ways to expand on Treasure Hunt and actually make it more exciting. Yeah. Uh, kind of like what we did at Adepticon where we did a big narrative event. Yeah. And the tokens were not just a static treasure. They were actual items that you could use in the game or they were critter, critters that immediately attacked you. <laughs> and... <laughs> I've heard the horror stories of that. <laughs> uh, there was nothing horrible about that. That was awesome. <laughs> it was really, really fun. And it, and actually, uh, uh, just on the dark, in the Dark Council, uh, somebody was uh, homebrewing a similar thing where uh, searching caused uh, uh, a volatile reaction of critters and stuff. And uh, so it, it looks like it's we it's actually we actually have in Chicago some of the, our local players that are trying to put together a a after dark twenty one and older event to do at Adepticon this year that. They're kind of similar off of this. They're taking off of this that the tokens are going to be basically like moonshine stashes. So the actual player, when their models find this, depending what's under it, they're going to have some fun with it <laughs> you know, and do a little adult <laughs> wild west. They're, they're calling it... Uh, what do they take call a it? shot for every victory point? Yeah, yeah. They're calling it drink of this or something. <laughs> it's so... That ought to be interesting, but so Brian, what is your favorite one? Is it you already my... took my favorite? I, one. I figured I did. So all right, so you don't. We have the same favorite one. That's all right. No, it's good. So the the next one I like is um, stake a claim. So it's 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 basically a area you know domination game. So you know you divide the play area in four quarters, and in the resolution phase of each turn. Each player scores two victory points for each hoarder on the enemy side of the player that has one or more of their units inside it, with no enemy models completed completely within the same quarter. So this game is 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 basically you have to advance into your enemy's area and then either push them out or wipe them out of yeah, that this, that quarter. This could so be a bloody one. This is the bloody one where you just go gun and form to get them out of there. And, and you can't abandon yours. No. So you can get spread pretty thin fast. Right. So um, I've I've won games playing this one by being extremely aggressive. Yeah. 
you know, so I'll I'll rush, you know, Jed, Furio, uh, Nakano, just right in their face and just wipe them out on that one corner to start getting points. And then I'll I'll either play prevent defense in the other and my two zones just to stay in the game. So I can't they they can't get victory points. Yeah, and if I wipe them out one in just one quarter, then I, I'm all right. Every turn that the game keeps going, I'm going to get at least two points. So it, but it makes it really aggressive. So that's why this last game we played stake a claim, and uh, the the game ends really quickly if if you're successful because then they they don't have any more models. Cause yeah, it's a pretty cool. It's it's a it's an aggressive game because you can't just sit around. You got you can't burn points that way no except no. all right what do we got for another one let's let's do supply run that's the other one i like Supply run like you said, like, great for them yeah <laughs> i mean this one it's it's nice so what you're doing is um in supply run you must secure supply drops while fending off the rival force so what you do is you're placing small based tokens on each of three points marked on the map with the skull so it's basically uh, they evenly distribute like ones like directly right in the middle of the map, and then they have you know it's right down the center of the map, and they have you know one two three, and what you're doing the objective for this one is at the end of each turn a player scores victory points for each of the tokens they control, and you control it if you have one or more models within three inches. So it's a little bit different than that other one. You can be within three inches of the token. Uh, and no enemy models within the three inches. So that's kind of the same too. But it's just, instead of being right on it, you can be within three inches. So you can kind of use some of the terrain and cover to to help you. <laughs> the biggest difference is you don't have to search it. So you don't have to be up to it. You know what it is. <laughs> um, I'm I'm laughing at Tom. <laughs> So Tom's doing Brian's trick and he's teasing everybody and showing models on the screen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> What's the funniest is hey, hey, let's, chatting tonight. Let's be fair model, <laughs> not models. <laughs> <laughs> and about an hour ago, he said done, <laughs> but he's still still he's working still, on it. He's getting sucked into it. He's getting sucked into it. Well, I had to start working on the base. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah we mentioned supply runs another good one for a, a beginner player or you know you're showing the game off uh it's it's not overly complicated what you have to do for the objectives and it's just in general it's a lot of fun the game can go to the point where you just have uh, everybody gang pile on one objective and you're just basically duking it out for that you know, those points. So Wait, they're yeah. gang, gang what? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, that, I don't know. I'm just asking questions. We, do, we all know I don't actually play this game, so I'm just asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> so what you got there next, Brian? Uh, but let's talk about send a message. Okay. So this one's interesting. I find this one difficult. It, well, it, it requires just a couple of more setups to do it. So you place two small base objective markers per player in the deploy on the edge of the deployment zone, basically 12 inches from either end of the table. So on the deployment line, you know, 12 inches from either side. So they're kind of in the middle, but equidistant. Yeah. And then 
Each turn, if a player has one or more models in base contact with that objective marker touching the opponent's deployment zone, they score two points. If they have one or more models in contact with the objective marker touching their own deployment zone, they score one victory point. And I know someone's asking, does it matter if anyone else is touching it? No, it does not. Yeah. So that that kind of came up in, in a game, in a tournament, actually. And we were calculating the points wrong because we weren't really paying attention to that. We were assuming it was like most objectives where you don't get points if the enemy's touching it as well. Yeah. That's not so in send a message. It doesn't matter. You still get the point. Um, bad side of it is whether it's one or two points. So that <laughs> you got to keep track of that because it's, it does count. Yeah. So, but it, it it's a pretty cool one. I, I enjoyed it that that game, we just didn't calculate it right. And it completely send the game and the other the other players win if you aren't paying attention. Like uh, I had, you know, we had miscalculated, but the fact that we both were standing next to the same marker, I got more points because it was on his side or he got more points because it was on my side. So it really does make, uh, make it important that you keep track. Yeah. Cause everyone gets points. There's no denial of points. So it makes it, it makes it fun. I've always I've always found this one difficult because it's one of the things with this one because those objectives are so far back, you know, by the deployment zones. Not only do they take a while to get to if you're going for your uh, opponents, you know, uh, the ones on his side to get those two points, you got to decide, okay, do I want to send everything in there to try to get the two points, but then I leave mine open that he can go get them? So it's, you have that tough choice of who do i hold back you know right what are my best models to sit back by my deployment zone and secure this so i have some kind of defense that they can't just swoop in there and get two points right so i've always had a hard time with this one especially if you have a low model count uh you can get stretched out pretty quickly in that luckily eric you play the slowest faction in the game so you can just sit back and defend yeah, with everybody they're kind of they, they are kind of made for this that i just put some brutes back there with their gatling guns and just yeah hang out <laughs> man i gotta i'm gonna go get a nice pack tonight <laughs> true you know if you're playing the slugs you know yeah i'm, I'm just here for sass tonight <laughs> <laughs> all right we have higher ground is the last one uh right that's the last one okay yeah that's the last one we haven't covered so higher ground's a kind of neat one and it's very dependent on like your terrain so like when i mentioned about how you pick your scenario before you set up terrain this is one that really comes into play because there's been a couple times where we've had terrain set up just so players can jump in and go and then this is the one that they roll and then the players have to spend time kind of moving stuff around to to right. make it even. Higher ground, the way it works is uh, the setup is you're going to place a small building uh, kind of on, on a 4x4 four four on each each zone. So if you divide it in the middle, one's going to be in one corner, the other one's going to be kind of in the other corner. And the objective for this is each turn you have a unit embarked in the building on your side of the play area you get two victory points now each turn you have a unit inside that building on the or not in your building let me start over (laughs) i'm getting (laughs) tongue-tied 
Each turn you have a unit embarked in the building on the enemy side of the play area, you get four victory points. So those are big points if you can get your guy over on the other side of the board and in your opponent's building. I mean, four points is big. And they don't mention, you know, the whole, you know, you can be in there with your enemy and still get the points. Well, I mean, I was we we were looking at the building rules uh, oh, yeah. the other day, and you can't you can't enter a building that is occupied. Yeah. Okay. So you got to race to get there before they do. That's right. Otherwise, you got to blast them out of there somehow. Yeah, you have to wipe them out, then jump in. You can't. You can't actually do. That's right. Do it. So something that would be good for that would be in golf or, um, oh, what's, yeah. you know, stuff like that. It, I mean, there's a, I mean, you just got to kill them, really. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's all, all tons of ways, depending on what's stuck in there. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're usually, usually they're, a, a group, a unit of hands are good to be in there because you just got a lot of models in there. So it'll take a little bit longer to get rid of them. Right. So yeah, you plop, plop in a, a large hands unit and it's got a lot of wounds that they could absorb. Well, that's the five adventures from the the rule book, and you know they even say in the rule book that they they expect to come out with other adventure types. So, um, and I know so far we've gotten the Badlands adventure type as an expansion, and I'm sure we'll be seeing more in the future. Yeah, um, you can get the Badlands off the website; they're free to download. And I mean, if you guys want to check out the common adventures, like Brian said, they're in the rule book. Uh, they start on page 48, it looks like, which is basically everything that we, we kind of breezed through. Uh, they got some, if you guys want to look over them a little bit more, we may have missed a couple things cause we did kind of try to summarize them for you guys. Uh, they do have a little bit of fluff story at the beginning of each one, which kind of gets you into the theme a little bit. Um, but yeah, those those are the common ones, and yeah, hopefully we see some more soon. That's right. Well, you know, our episode is going to jump right into some more adventures. So we, we've mentioned the Badland adventures a little bit earlier, and this is actually a huge leap in narrative ability to play Wild Wicks Exodus. So they aren't inherently more difficult to play, but they each have a particular element to them, which means that the play experiences will be distinctive, quite distinctive from the common adventure. One of the neatest parts about the Badland adventure packet that you can download, it introduces like quite a few neat little things. And one thing is called the perils. Uh, and it's dramatic narrative elements that you can actually add to any game. You can add it to the um, your common adventure game. Mm-hmm. That's right. Right. So we're going to go over the perils before we dive into the new scenarios. So uh, they're quite cool. Um, and I've only used them once. Have you used these perils yet, Eric? No, I have not, actually. I mean, I've done some of the Badland scenarios, but we've never jumped in with the perils they really do they're too perilous they're too perilous, <laughs> they're too perilous. <laughs> i'm scared <laughs> they uh they do throw a lot of thematic uh story in with the adventures which is really cool about them and they basically the way they work is uh so they have like a a table that you would roll a d10 on and 
you roll something and then you just got to go through the the uh the document and you can look up say like you roll caught in the crossfire so then you just go look at crossfire and it's got all this it's got a little bit of story in it and kind of how they affect the game uh some of some of the things they can affect is like the terrain or the models and stuff like that right one of the neatest parts is it does kind of wink 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 nudge nudge to the new dystopian age right so it brings in a lot of the terminology that dystopian wars will bring to the the wider world and so it's kind of neat uh as you we go through some of these you're you're going to be like oh yeah if you've ever played the original dystopian wars you'll recognize some of the names so once you've decided it's like hey we're going to add apparel you you roll the d10 you check the chart so once regular deployment is complete but before units with special deployment rules such as dispersed deployment or travelers are deployed player a may roll for the peril for the adventure on a critical success you may choose what peril you will both be facing in the adventure ahead on a roll of two to nine consult the perils table and apply the result on a critical failure, your opponent may choose what peril you will both be facing in the adventure ahead. So once the peril is determined, any units with the dispersed deployment special will deploy, starting with player B. Finally, any units with the trailblazer will take their moves, and players move their units one at a time alternately. So that's very similar to like the normal setup. You're just throwing the perils in between that stuff. Right, you do it right during deployment. That way, it because it may affect your deploy, it may affect deployment. That's why you do it before trailblazers and the other stuff happens because it gives your you an ability to avoid uh, the peril if it, it is splashed right down into your deployment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that that's why they have it occur at that point. So there's caught in the crossfire. In the midst of your clash, a small group of desperate civilians stagger out into the line of fire. You must try and get them over to your position to find out how they ended up out there. So each player takes three civilian models. Taking in turns, each player places one of the civilians in the player, no closer than six inches to the edge of their deployment zone or another civilian or game marker or token. During step one of the resolution phase, each civilian scatters each inch. You know, depending on the other, depending on what scenario you're playing, it, it can, it's going to get crowded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be a lot of tokens. Uh, if a friendly model is in base contact with one of these civilians at the end of their activation, they can try to convince the frightened figure to come back with them. The friendly model makes a mind check, and on success, the civilian agrees to come with them. Remove the civilian from the area of play. On a failure, the civilian lashes out at the friendly model before then scattering another 10 inches in a random direction. These civilians have a basic melee weapon and hit automatically. If the mine check ends in a critical failure, the civilian is killed in the struggle. On a critical success, the civilian convinces the nearest civilian to also join them, and the two are saved. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. The player most civilians at the end of the adventure receives two victory points. And what's nice about this, the the actual the whole Badlands document, like like with this one, you need a lot of civilians. If you don't have a lot of civilians, what's nice is in the back of the document, they have like little cutout tokens that you guys can use for civilians, or they have other tokens like for some of the other scenarios, like uh, oh, they got canine dogs in there and angry mob and stuff. So. Uh, if you guys don't have the actual models, you can use these tokens, which is really neat. 
Oh, yeah. And they have hex beads. So you can use the hex beads if you don't have them for it, your your paint bales. You'll be able to use them as well. All right. So that walk in the crossfire is called Sturginium Storm. And Sturginium is one of the new terms that Dystopian Wars. I'm, I'm glad you said it, Brian, not me. <laughs> right. So there's probably some Dystopian War, you know, art historian going Mm, Jedi pal, you're not saying it right. But, <laughs> I think I'm saying it right. <laughs> All right, so this one is, there's a fierce maelstrom of blue lightning and dust, and it's rolling towards your position. So before the start of the resolution phase of each turn, roll a D10 and add the turn number to it. If the result is 10 or more, a wild Sturgenium storm sweeps across the play area. Any model in the area of play, not including those in buildings, aboard a transport, etc., are scattered D5 inches in a random direction, and the unit receives the disordered and stunned conditions. Units that are hunkered are unaffected by the Sturgeonian storm. Mm. Okay, so pretty basic, right? So this this brings in a you know a, a a bit of a an element of surprise. So whatever your scenario is, you may get caught out where your your models could be thrown about. So it just adds a peril to the game. That's pretty cool. It's simple, but yeah, the, it could, oh man, it could affect the game so much. Right. Unless you are in and out of building or hunkered. I mean, then you wouldn't have to worry about it. Yeah. So that is, there are ways of not being affected. That makes sense. Let's see, what's the next one we got? They come at night. I kind of like the sound of this one. Oh yeah. Darkness falls quickly in the frontier. Though... This makes fighting your enemies more difficult. The greatest challenge comes from bending of the random attacks from them as your allies and enemies alike are dragged screaming into that razor claw darkness. Yeah, that sounds like a movie I'd watch. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's, it's bad enough you're fighting your enemy and now there's something else trying to kill you. <laughs> okay, so this adventure takes place in the fading light. Before the start of each turn, roll D10 and add the turn number to it. If the result is 10 or more, night falls for the remainder of the adventure. Mm. So nightfall. This is what happens at nightfall. Successful aim checks must be re-rolled unless they have the linked or indirect quality. Or the unit has the dead eye or soul sight skill. Charge actions during nightfall move as though in uneven terrain. And so distances are half. At the start of the resolution phase, each model in the unit closest to the edge of the area of play suffers a piercing two automatic hit. Yeah. That's pretty basic too, but I like it. That's kind of brutal. Right. <laughs> Not that kind of brutal. Not that kind of brutal. <laughs> Where you are versus your your, your uh, enemy. <laughs> it, it... <laughs> All right, it kind of reminds me of when you play Fortnite and they got that storm that comes in. If you're in near the edges of it, you start taking damage. Right. <laughs> you know, for those kids out there who play that. Ah, <laughs> uh, see. So there's Tempest Fugitive. So the wasteland has become a dumping ground for all sorts of unwanted side effects and phenomena that are symptoms of the dystopian age. One of the most feared is the time storm, which though mercifully localized, is one of the most unpredictable and lethal. 
So you play double XL size time storm marker in the center of the area of play. It immediately scatters E10 times 2 inches and then scatters again E10 inches. If any scatter would cause a storm to be placed out of the area of play, re-roll the scatter until it does not. The time storm is invisible, so does not block line of sight. Each time an action card is played with a value of 4 or 5, the time storm scatters in a straight line D10 inches. Roll on the time storm table for each unit touched by it as it moves to its new position. So they got a whole time storm table that has all kinds of different effects. So before you we start on the table, yeah, that the storm only affects friendly and enemy units. It does not affect terrain, markers, artifacts, or strategic units. So it's just your normal friendly and enemy units, uh, your your dudes. And so this was written before um, Dylan and uh, that other <laughs> the two strategic dudes. Yeah. They're actually friendly models, but they're strategic. So they're immune. <laughs> I don't know if that was intended. That, that's actually pretty useful. So yeah. those guys, they're immune to this. So, okay. So on to the table. Okay. So the time storm table. I guess let's just go over them real quick. From They basically got from crit, uh, from actually critical miss to up to crit. So I wait for time to finish shaking. <laughs> <laughs> so on the crit miss the unit ages 40,000 years in a millisecond and the unit is automatically destroyed ouch right so yeah don't roll that <laughs> <laughs> alright so on a roll of 2 and 3 the unit counts as having already activated for the turn alright and then 4 and a 5 the unit is displaced and has the hazard condition on the six and seven, the unit is disordered and stunned. So they're starting to get not so bad. Uh, eight or nine, the unit does not count as having activated yet. So that's a boon. Yeah. If you had already activated, boom, you get another activation that turn. That's actually a really good one. And then on the cur- on the critical roll, the unit gains a fortune check. And we know how valuable those are. Yeah, but I'm thinking I like eight and nine better. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very situational, though. I mean, like you said, if you activate it already, you're getting another free activation. So that's oh, that's that's huge. Especially if it's your boss that gets hit with that. Yeah. Then you get a bunch a bunch of fortune back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's cool. That was Tempest Fugitive. So that's a cool one. I I, I think I'm gonna want to do that one in the next game. Yeah, it's got it's got a little more management to it with the the storm, but I think just with that that storm table, it really can. It's uh, a lot of random. Yeah, yeah, it can be fun. All right, so we got the sickness. I moved his mic back down. Vader, <laughs> where's my inhaler? <laughs> Here I am trying to piece, peacefully paint my first model. As we're keep, reading, keep, you're still working on the same model. Keep, keep up, keep up my New Year's resolution, and you one, guys... two, three colors. You're done. Dip. Oh, man, <laughs> I'm, about, I'm putting more, I'm putting more effort into the. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> you guys, so you guys are always wondering why I'm always have my freaking mute button on. Damn it, I'm muting now, bastards. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, where are we are the the sickness. So we got the sickness as the next uh, peril here, Brian. Okay, so I'll read the the narrative part. The spent munitions, plague, and other poisons lie invisible in the soil and air. Often a group can become stricken before they realize what is happening. Lethargy is the only clue that something is amiss. But by then, it is often too late. Oh, man. Give me chills, Brian. (laughs) (laughs) By by lethargy, do you mean lethargy? (laughs) Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I'm just wondering. It's going to come out in my southern drawl. You're just going to have to deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I may be mispronouncing it, but that's just <laughs> You probably did better than I could, Brian, so. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we need to. Why don't you pull it up, Tom? <laughs> I will. You know what? You need some dramatic readings here. That's hey, that's what I do. Is drama. Those stories come in on our. Uh, <laughs> once the stories come in on our contest, you know the winner is going to be read in a podcast. You know we got to get ready. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what? It's gonna be like Audible and stuff. It'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is each time a unit is activated with an action card with the value of a one. A single model in the unit must pass a grit check or be wounded. You cannot use the quick and the dead to avoid the wound should it be inflicted. Oh, hey, look, I had this up the whole time. Which one are we on? <laughs> that was the sickness. That's pretty simple, basic one, too. Yeah, it's, it's quick. It's easy. I mean, yeah. So then we got the death mark. The, the chilling paragraph of the death mark. Yeah. Is Tom going to read it? It looks like he's reading it. Which one are we doing? The death mark? The death mark. I want to hear some dramatic stuff. Now, I don't think there's any like highfalutin, mispronounceable words in there that I might mess up. But <laughs> well, <laughs> You sure? Is, there is one good word in here I want to hear Tom say. I'm telling you, that's the son of a gun who murdered all them chilling. <laughs> of course I'm sure. Just look at those dead eyes, okay? Let's get them. <laughs> That one was that one was so for Tom. <laughs> it's like we planned it that way. Each player takes three angry mob models. Taking turns, each player places one of the angry mob in the play area, no closer than six inches to an edge. Their deployment zone or another mob model or game marker or token. Christ, that's the run-on sentence from hell. <laughs> During step one of the resolution phase, each angry mob model moves D10 inches towards the nearest non-angry mob model. Once an angry mob model is in base contact with another unit, it immediately makes an unprovoked and unexpected attack, causing an automatic hit at piercing minus three. Regardless of the outcome, the angry mob model is removed from the play area once the attack is resolved and the unit affected is disordered. You may not attack the angry mob models as they do not appear to be a threat until too late. That's pretty rough. Minus three piercing? And there's not a darn thing you can do about it? No. It's a, it's just You just watch the angry mob wander up to you and stab you? And then, and then they run away. <laughs> yeah, and then they're like, see ya! <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, speaking of running away, the next one, Catch That Canine. A loopy canine attack dog has been spotted in the area. It's probably one of those defective first-generation CCLE units. They were always prone to malfunction. The boss has said it needs to be captured before the enemy gets their hands on it. Something about stolen plans. I just hope this is an automa we're looking for. So this is all about canines. Puppy dogs. So you place a canine attack dog model in the center of the play area. It immediately scatters D10 times 2 inches and then scatters again D10 inches, similar to the storm. If any scatter would cause the canine to be placed out of the play area, re-roll the scatter until it does not. During step 1 of the resolution phase, the canine scatters D10 times 2 inches and then scatters again D10 inches. That is one fast little doggy. Yeah. If a friendly model is base contact with the canine, they can spend an action to try to grab the... The heck is that word? What? That word? That's one of them <laughs> highfalutin words, Tom. Highfalutin words? Recalcitrant? <laughs> what? I don't know. Where, it's, where the the, it's them being British Arthurs. <laughs> <laughs> they put in this weird word. All right, so they can try to grab the... Re- <laughs> <laughs> Are, are we, are we still on Catch That Canine? Have I lost, have I missed something here? <laughs> I'm really not sure how you say that word. Well, let's but just call him, let's, let's just call him Frisky. Oh, Recalcitrant. <laughs> He's a... It's Recalcitrant. Come on, guys. I'll call him Frisky. Oh, I didn't attempt <laughs> that one. That's Recalcitrant. Okay, That's a real word, man. SAT word for the day. What does that mean? <laughs> Let me go get the official definition for you. Recalcitrant. <laughs> listen, to, listen to him. He's saying it over and over again. He's saying it well, too. Yeah. It actually sounds like how you're supposed to say it. <laughs> Having an obstinately uncooperative attitude towards authority or discipline. <laughs> A person who obstinately uncooperative <laughs> attitude. So, you mean it, it's ornery? <laughs> it's ornery. <laughs> It's ornery. That's exactly what that. Why did they just say so? Because it's the British version. But it's just Britain. It, it's English ornery. They say this Britain dog, so we'd call him ornery. <laughs> okay, so. This is gonna be fun model. to edit. <laughs> wait, wait! You're gonna edit this? This is gold. That's pretty. That's gold. <laughs> All right, so let's try that again. If a friendly model is base contact with the canine, they can spend an, a- an action to try to grab the Henri canine. <laughs> the friendly model makes a strike what? action with a Pierce three penalty. <laughs> huh. You're going to try to grab that recalcitrant canine. Okay. Henri. I've replaced that word with Henri. Come on, guys. Say it with me. Recalcitrant. Henri. Recalcitrant. <laughs> I'm not even going to try because I know. Yeah. Recalcitrant. There you go. There you go. See, you pronounce it. I've said it enough that I heard it. <laughs> On a success, the canine is brought down and deactivated. 
remove the canine from the area of play, and the player earns two VPs. On a failure, the canine makes a single automatic hit on the model with a Pierce 4 as it rips off a sensitive area with its teeth. (laughs) It then scatters D10 inches in a random direction again. You can shoot the canine, but no VPs are earned if it is destroyed. Damn. Man, you're going to take a bite. Yeah, as as a mailman, this one scares me. (laughs) (laughs) The postman revenge. Yeah, literally. Recalcitrant. 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 Uh. You got your UR30... Tell them what it means. That, that's the new uh, Fembot version of the UR30. <laughs> All right, we got we got one more peril to get through before we even get to the scenarios. <laughs> okay, okay. So the, the keening cry, none of them British words. As we let, let me read this. Bill. You're terrible. You're, you're terrible at this. Let me read this. <laughs> terrible at this. What? As we approached the buildings, we realized that they were not as abandoned as we had first thought. The inhabitants aren't gone. They're just changed. All right, now you can go. <laughs> so each time a unit makes a get-in move action, there is a chance that a hex beast is lurking within. So roll a D10 and consult the tainted building table. Hey, does anybody else, when they see get in move, get, just got them, get in my belly! That's <laughs> all I think of every time I see that. <laughs> get in me! Uh, I hadn't, but I will probably. You will now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. But we have to say it like Fat Bastard, right? Oh, absolutely. So start reading the table like Fat Bastard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. Let me see if I can do that. (laughs) On the critical roll, your activation immediately ends and you remain outside of the... See, I can't do it. You had it for a while. Fat Bastard. I see. I'm not actually. See, Tom. I think you would be better doing it. Can't you do a Scottish roll? Not really. I mean, I'm, I'm not. I'm not like Scrooge McDuck or anything. <laughs> so I'm on, a, on a critical roll, your activation immediately ends, and you remain outside of the building or area terrain. Place a hex beast in base contact with your unit. The hex beast is under the control of your opponent and counts as an enemy unit for the remainder of the adventure. Uh, so, two and three. A mournful cry rings out, and a hex beast shambles into view. Place a hex beast in your deployment zone. The hex beast is under the control of your opponent and counts as an enemy unit for the remainder of the adventure. Hmm. Four to nine. The structure appears empty. So let's avoid the hatch to the basement for now. Treat the building as normal. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> for now. <laughs> okay, on a critical success, you enter as normal and startle the hex beast, sending it running from the building towards your enemies. Place a hex beast within six inches of the building in a direction of your choice. 
For the remainder of the adventure, the Hex Beast is considered a friendly model and is under your control. All right. So. What's the perils? But perils really are cool. Yeah. I have no idea why we haven't been using them. No, you know, now that we went over them, they sound so fun. I mean, the narrative play possibilities for this is, is really cool. I think they really do spice, and you spice up the normal, uh, the common adventures. Yeah, really. you can throw these in the common ones, too. So that's really cool. Well, cool. Okay, so we've got the perils in the Badlands, and now we have the Badlands adventures, okay? So one of the things they actually suggest is to try to play the Badland adventures as linked adventures. Yeah, so like a narrative. You do the adventures in sequence. And they, they do have some rules if you do that, right, Brian? Yeah, it says players are, are welcome to play individuals as standalone games if they wish. Uh, when playing linked, a player cannot change factions between linked adventures and must include the same boss units. If a player won the previous adventure in a narrative, they start the next linked adventure with an additional adventure card in their starting hand for the first turn of the game. So that's that's kind of fun. That'd be a, a fun like club type of thing to do if you get the same group of guys, you know, every other week, every month, you know, do one a different month, you know, and just carry it over. You need to do a Badlands League yeah. play yeah. where for the next couple of weeks you're gonna move on to the next um, adventure and you get to keep your same boss, but he obviously can bring any of your available troops each each week. Yeah, yeah. You know, this would be kind of like a really cool uh, event to have to run at a convention. Yeah. You know, you start off and, and you you sign up for the day and you run through the entire Badlands, uh, you know, storyline in one yeah. day would be kind of neat to do. That would be cool. I mean, that that's five games. You know, it's not that bad. Yep. Right. I think that would be cool. Make it so. <laughs> Okay, so if only there was a convention decide? to do that at. So, right. Wish there was. <laughs> okay, so you basically choose your game size, same as the common. You build your force, the same thing. They they suggest that you don't do Badlands as like your first adventures. So yeah. it does suggest that you at least have some experience with the common adventures before trying any of the uh, Badland adventures. And then they, they say you can roll. Um, obviously, if you're doing a link, you can just go straight up the, the chart. But if you're just doing randoms, you just roll them out. So the... What do they got for the first one? Picking the Bones. Picking the Bones is the first one. And then Attack of the Camp, Stranger Things, Eerie Lights, and The Rift. So we're going to go over each of these. Obviously, they don't change anything in the way that the game sets up. So you still set a table based on which which of the scenarios. Then you decide on your reserves. Uh, you do your deployments the same. They do suggest that you also do the perils. So you do that during deployment. You would roll for the peril that you're going to use. And then you move on to the game. Okay, so let's start with picking the bones. This one's interesting. So the Badlands are littered with the detritus of past conflict. For new arrivals in the frontier, these battlefields are often troves for weapons and other more esoteric items. It is a wise traveler who gathers what they can when providence <laughs> arrives. But all too often, other interested parties will clash over the spoils. I thought you were going to lose it there, Brian. 
<laughs> Why? Because detritus? Or, or, or was that the detritus? <laughs> My God. <laughs> okay, I am totally calling Stuart on you, and there's going to be a new Tom Kenny model. He is going to be the... The newest lawman model, he's going to be the English police. <laughs> <laughs> He'll have like a neat power, like verbal sparring or something. Verbal <laughs> sparring. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going to have that top hat, right, Tom? Oh, and a monocle. Holy crap. I want to, I want to be money bags from, uh, <laughs> from, from Monopoly. Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. He's going to have a, he's going to have a book in his hand. <laughs> oh my God. That'll be his weapon. He just hits you in the head with the freaking dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> One of his weapons is called throw the book at you. <laughs> And he's, and he's got a little sonic phone in the other one. <laughs> the other one that's going recalcitrant, recalcitrant, recalcitrant. <laughs> yeah, that could be a, another ability. Was the taunt? Tom <laughs> <laughs> oh, enrages you as he corrects your your grammar. <laughs> Hey, let's be fair. I'm not a grammar police. I'm a pronunciation police. <laughs> you enunciated that British word wrong. <laughs> okay, let's get this train back on track. <laughs> Did I say that right? <laughs> train track. Yeah, you got that. That checks out. <laughs> All right, picking the bones. After placing terrain, each player takes four small base loot marks. Booby trap models would be ideal. Taking it in each turn, each player places one of the loot markers on the play area no closer than six inches to an edge, their deployment zone, or another marker. So if you look at the, the map on this one, it's this, quite different. Yeah, this is neat. Is opposite corners. So you have the play area, actually, in this scenario, is a diagonal stripe through the middle from one corner to the other. So it's, it's an interesting setup because you have to measure it kind of at this weird angle. Yeah. It's not a true corner to corner. It's kind of an off, slightly off center. So it, it takes a little bit of measuring <laughs> to set it up. If a model is in base contact, with a marker at the end of their activation, they can make a mind or quick check, the player's choice, to investigate the marker. If the roll fails, the loot marker is a booby trap, and it immediately triggers. See the booby trap unit card for details and to resolve the blast. So it can go owie. Yeah. On a success, the model gains a thermite grenade, and the player gains a victory point. On a critical failure, the booby trap is triggered, and your opponent gains a victory point. On a critical success, the model gains a portal glove, and the player gains two victory points. Once a loot marker has been investigated, remove it from the play area. So this, yeah, this one's interesting. I did play that one, and I think of all the markers, we only got thermite grenades twice. Okay. 
and all the rest blew up in our face. Yeah, I think I played this once with a, another player in our group, and his dice were... Uh, they liked him more than me, and every time I searched one, it blew up in my face. And, um, yeah, so he was getting points like crazy off of me. And, and one of the things is none of us used the thermite grenade. Wow. Because the, the guys that were actually getting it had better weapons, so it was... Oh, okay. You know, it was an <laughs> you know, something I would like to see in this one is that, like... Uh, depending on who found it, like you were saying, if they had a better weapon, I would like the ability to give this weapon to somebody else in your force. Like if you just right. get in base contact with them and say, here, buddy, you need this more than I do type thing. Right. Okay, so that, that's picking the bones. It's pretty fun. I've done that one several times. It's pretty good. Okay, so attack of the camp. Who's going? Go for it, Tom. The first night on the trail was uneventful. The shooting stars above were our only visitor. The second night, there was some small trouble as wolves were drawn to our firelight. The fourth saw one of our sentries go missing. By the fifth, it was clear we were not alone. We'd never been alone. Our enemy finally attacked. They'd been following us, watching this whole time. The arrogance of it. Now we make them pay. The attacker ambushes the defender at their camp, plunging the area into a brutal battle for survival. Player A may choose to be the attacker, red, or defender, blue, and deploys their first unit in the appropriately colored deployment zone. Deployment continues as usual. So uh, this one's pretty neat because you play on either a 3x3 or 4x4, and um, there's the blue deployment zone, which is the defender, which is the entire middle of the board. Uh, and then the attacker can set up anywhere along the outside edges, uh, completely surrounding the defender. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of neat. Uh, the objective, this is just a kill them all scenario. You get a victory point for every enemy unit that you destroy. Right. So in the last weekend play we had at Space Cadets, uh, the, one of the one or two, two guys played. That's what they played. And I haven't played this one yet, it, but it looks brutal. How did how did the game go that they played? Did you watch it at all? Oh yeah, I took pictures. It, it, I mean, the Union attacked an outlaw in camp, but the outlaw group had a doomsday. Wow! And okay. the, the Union group was Abe Lincoln and his agents, and they they were they got destroyed. Wow! The main reason is when you you're you're playing a. It was hard for him to spread out. Because yeah, he's only had uh, less units, so it was very difficult for him to to get on top of the points because it was a player scores victory points for each unit. Well, the other player had more units. Yeah. So once easier. he started losing units, yeah, it was hard for him to catch up by taking out units. So yeah, this one reminds me of your your classic Western, you know, circle the wagons type of thing. Yeah, that's kind of cool. So if you have a bunch of wagons. That would be actually a neat play. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of cool. All right. The next one. Great show on Netflix. Stranger Things. <laughs> Forging for food is the only way to survive on the frontier. But with sturgenium altering the air and the taint of the hex twisting our flesh, it is any surprise that those toxins can be found affecting the very food we so desperately seek. Out on the frontier, the soil is rich with malaise and very little else did i say that right the malaise <laughs> yeah you got that, that one. Right. I got that one i got that one 
It, it wasn't mayonnaise, it was malaise. I was going to yeah. say, I was kind of thinking of a sandwich. I was getting hungry. <laughs> <laughs> so how's this one work? All right, field markers. Before placing any terrain, each player takes two XXL oval base sized field markers. So they give you these markers in the printout. So you print those out. You'll have. Yeah, those. I was just looking to see uh, if they did. Yep. Taking, okay. taking turns, each player places one of the field markers on the play area, no closer than six inches to the to an edge, their deployment zone, or another marker. Field markers are uneven area terrain, so they count as half movement. So the objective at the end of the adventure, each player scores two victory points for each field marker where they have one or more of their models in base contact and no enemy models in base contact. If a model is in base contact with a field marker at the start of their activation, they can spend an action point to forage for food. The player receives a victory point for each unit that forages in their activation. Furthermore, roll a D5 and consult the following table. So it's a table with D5. So the first one is Hex Blight. So the effect of harvesting hex blight from the field, the unit gains the tainted attribute. Hey, that's cool. Possibly bring them back after they uh, get shot down. Right. I'd be interesting on what that would do to like the order. Yeah. Because you can't have a, a tainted unit in their posse. <laughs> they would just kill themselves, right? Like the disintegrate. <laughs> <laughs> and what if you're already tainted is it doubly tainted all right so on a two it's a radiated sturgeonium so you harvest or irradiated sturgeonium which is a form of metal i think it's like the alien metal so uh if anyone's wanting to know what sturgeonium is uh the unit gains the hazard condition so basically this irradiated piece of metal throws hazard on you okay Okay, so number three, fermented berries. The unit gains the disordered condition. Okay. But you're not intoxicated by the berries. All right, so number four, twilight poppies. The unit becomes shrouded and stunned until the end of the turn. And number five is delicious. You gain a fortune chip. There we go. So on a on a five, you get something. Yeah. So it's actual food that helps. So it gives you a fortune. All right, so that's the Stranger Things scenario. The next one's my favorite one in the Badlands. I've done this a couple times. Yeah, really? this, the last two really are my favorite in the, the group. They're they're both really, really good. So, uh, Eric, why don't you read the your favorite? All right, I'll read my favorite. So the next one's Eerie Lights. Uh, strange flashes in the darkened sky and bizarre scorch marks on the ground have led two rival forces to a small facility out in the badlands both sides must attempt to break their way in and capture whatever infernal or otherworldly force lurks within do not expect it to submit without a fight this is like your haunted house basically I love this so, one. so the eerie shack before setting up terrain place a medium-sized building so they say approximately 8 inches by 8 inches in the center of the play area marked on the map with the skull. This is the Eerie Shack. No terrain can be placed within 6 inches of this building. At the end of the turn, both players draw an action card and compare the number in the top left-hand corner in the same way as determining initiative. 
The player with the highest number places a torrent template with the narrow end in contact with an edge of the Erie Shack, but oriented in any direction they wish. Models under the template are automatically hit with a Pierce 4. Yeah, this this can hurt. I mean, I've had guys get caught too close to that building. Oh. oh. So why would you be close? <laughs> so the objective. Each turn during step three of the resolution phase, if you have a unit embarked in the Erie Shack, gain four victory points. It's a lot. At the start of each turn before step one of the initiative phase, any unit inside the building automatically disembarks and is placed within six inches of the Erie Shack. They gain the stun condition as they are thrown out violently by whatever forces within. The unit may activate as normal. Yeah, I love this one. This is so fun to play. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> so you rush, you rush to try to get in. <laughs> then you try to kill if someone gets in there first. You try to kill them so you can jump in. And then <laughs> if you lose the initiative, you may end up getting, you know, torrented with the guy that you risked running up in there. Yeah. Very good. Okay, so I would play that this is one of the many times that I've used Helena and look at the top of your deck to really good effect. Yeah. I, I, I was put the cards in the right position to make sure I clinch that end of turn card to be the highest number I could possibly get and steal the uh, steal that torrent and place it where I wanted. It was it worked out really beautiful. So yeah, no, it's really good. Uh, it, that one's really a, a fun one to go. Okay, we got one more. Now, this is one of this is one of my favorites too. This is a good one. The rift. What caused the rift is not clear. Perhaps it is some enlightened experiment gone wrong or a precursor to some greater calamity. As you watch the tear gnawing at the fabric of reality, you realize with dread that your enemies have been drawn here too. This area needs to be quickly secured from those interlopers so that it can be studied further. Very so the, nice. Why did um, and it's sectioned off into basically six cubes in the middle of the play area. So you place a double XL size rift marker, and again, they, they make you one in the, the printout so you can print them out. Uh, rift marker in the center of the play area marked on the map, so it's directly in the middle. The rift blocks line of sight. No terrain can be placed within six inches of the rift. And at the end of the turn, both players draw an action card and compare the number in the top left-hand corner in the same way as determining initiative. The player with the highest number scatters the rift 2d10 inches in a direction of their choice. The rift cannot be placed out of the area of play. Models touched by the template are automatically hit with the pierce floor and displaced. Terrain touched by the rift is removed from the play area for the remainder of the adventure. Oh, yeah. So good. It's so, it's so bad. Okay, so the objective in the game, in, in the resolution phase of each turn, a player scores two victory points for each section on the enemy side of the play area that has one or more of their units completely within it, with no enemy models completely within the same quarter. Additionally, at the end of the adventure, a player scores five victory points if there are no enemy models within 12 inches of the rift. It is possible for both players to score these points, unless one of the forces has been wiped out. I have a feeling that happens 
fairly often with this one. The force is being wiped out. I mean, it sounds it sounds nasty. So my last game, uh, not my last game, but but one of my last games where I was playing an Abe Lincoln posse with, of course, I was playing, you know, the Infernal Investigations. Because, you know, who else would you bring to investigate a rift? Yeah. Uh, it, the game was over in round two. And, but I didn't have control of the rift the second time. He did. And he plopped it right down in the middle of my, my, uh, Nagano and Bass Reed. And they both survived the Pierce Force, but the building had one of his agents on it. So when the building went away, the agent fell. She was on the roof. So she fell down. <laughs> At the end of that turn, he kind of gave up. <laughs> <laughs> had he maybe watched out Bass and. Uh, uh, I, I feel like everyone of Brian's. St- I feel like every one of Brian's game stories is about him beating up on some new player. <laughs> it is. It's bad, right? <laughs> if they want to stop using the Infernal Investigations boss, you might want to start bringing in some scrubs. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. Playing, playing for at least six months. All right, so those were the Badland scenario adventures so we mentioned earlier you guys can find these online they're free to download uh these are great i mean they're great for story you can add those perils into them if you want and also you can add the perils into the common adventures too something that maybe we can touch on real quick is homebrew scenarios like we've seen on the dark council so there's a couple community members on there michael johnson scott webster that have been actually just recently they've been talking a lot about uh, a 310 to yuma scenario that they have on there um i believe this was part of a, a contest that michael was running on there and having people you know submit different scenarios and try them out uh you can if you guys want to look look for it on the dark council just do a search uh hashtag wwxss and uh, they'll, you know, in, on Facebook, they'll pop up all the different posts that uh, include it. I guess that's what he, he called the contest. So you'll see them and you guys can try them out. And then we have, I've also seen the, the guys over at Battlehammer. So they were kind of trying to develop some new scenarios. And they actually did one video playthrough, I believe, of, of some of the rules. So you guys feel free to try to come up with some scenarios. I know Stuart has said that if you guys come up with a good idea... Send it to them. It could turn into another little, you know, adventure scenario packet, kind of like what the Badlands is. Just one of the things, maybe if you guys are doing them, you know, think about balance and, uh, you know, play test them. You know, it's what those guys do at the studio. And one side, you know, victory condition seems a little too easy. Well, maybe do a little bit of adjustment, have some fun with it. We've talked here on the show about doing, uh, taking Brian's saloon that's about the size of the play area and doing something with that scenario. You know, you have to get the guy out to the train station, very similar to the 310. Or um, I was playing around with a a stagecoach robbery type thing where you had the stagecoach going from corner to corner and you got, you know, you got your outlaws that are trying to stop the coach and, get you know the a treasure token in it and get back to their deployment zone 
But then on the opposite side, maybe you have uh, the lawmen, you know, they're swooping in there and just trying to stop them. So, I mean, you can do a lot of those classic Western themes, I think, by making up some kind of scenario. And it'd be fun. It'd be really fun. Yep. Well, you guys got anything else for our scenarios? Yeah. Um, I mean, when you when you do homebrews, I mean, the, the idea is to to have like a catch, like what is the main function? So, you know, think of a movie, think of maybe something that you have, like maybe uh, I know I did a homebrew scenario once where we, it was steel vehicles from the impound. Yeah. So we put, I put all my heavy vehicles in the middle of the, the board, put fences around it and both players, you're, you're rush into the middle of the board and you know get in one of the vehicles and then now you have control of that vehicle and uh of course it was in lawman impound so none of the weapons weren't but just you have to drive it off the board okay you score points that way okay uh, you know so that quick right it's just yeah. a simple little thing you you'd say you you decide if like at the end of end of a turn if you're have a unit embarked inside the the vehicle you get a victor point and then if you can get it off the board obviously you get four victory points so boom. yeah it doesn't have to be overly complicated just thematic right and i think if you have a neat terrain piece yeah uh, you can make it a center like say you have a train you know do a train robbery yep you know we did the big event at adepticon where it was centered around a train and we actually had it run down six six by eight or four by six tables so we played it on a, quite a long bit of bit of thing, and the the train moved every turn across all these different tables. So, I mean, there's you can really do a bunch of different things. You can bring elements from other games, like I think when you do a scenario where you want to have NPC models control part of the board, obviously you come up with some kind of rules that, that dictate what they do. So, like uh, I think someone was saying on uh, Facebook the other day make a noise so if you use any of your your shooty weapons or uh firearms you cause noise which causes you know the critters on the board to move towards you similar yeah. to what the, with the walking dead game you know but that's that's what's fun about doing homemade or housemade rules and different scenarios uh you never know you might come up with a really good scenario like like they, they may put in a new adventure pack so yeah cool. yeah all right, well, why don't we go ahead and wrap up this segment with the Badlands adventure scenarios and move on. Well, listen, guys, hope you uh, enjoyed the today's episode, a little bit of a look into the adventures, both the common in the rule book and the Badland adventures that you can download on the website. Uh, if you guys had any questions about any of these, go ahead and send us any comments or questions to me, Brian, or Tom at our email at the Saloon at gmail.com or hit us up on Facebook, either in the Dark Council, we're always lurking in there, or on our Facebook page, the Black Hoof WWX Podcast, 
So you got any closing thoughts for scenarios, Brian? I mean, if anybody, you know, we kind of wanted to touch on the scenarios uh, with we're starting to get into tournaments. We see a lot of more tournaments popping up in the communities at the local stores. And, I mean, we talked about tournaments back in Episode 6, if you guys want to go back and listen to that. Um, but we we realized we never talked about the scenarios up until now. And there's a lot of fun ones out there. Oh, yeah. I recommend everyone giving the Badlands a check uh, after they've mastered the common ones. You definitely going to want to check those out. They're really a lot of fun. And I, I'm really looking forward to, the, to adding perils to the common ones. Yeah. And that might even be a way of like easing into the pool of the Badlands is try using perils in your common adventure first. Then you, then you get a little bit of the, the whimsy of the Badlands before diving into one of those scenarios fully. Well, and I just think that the the narrative story that the Badlands can tell is interesting. I mean, you guys can start up at your uh, game clubs and stuff doing a Badlands like one a week, one a month, and just progressing a story and how it affects the, the posses and stuff. So I think that was pretty cool. Yep. I think that'd be cool too. On the list of things to do. <laughs> the the many, many the bigger and the bigger list that mine grows, you know, of things to do. <laughs> Usually centered around painting. And I actually kind of feel like I'm falling behind. Tom's Tom's he's tackling it, man. <laughs> oh well, well I did I did uh you know, in the in the gap between the first part that we've taped and today when we're taping the closing. I did actually get my my wet palette cleaned up. It's ready to go. It's de um, I am good to go to get into some painting. Currently priming. I primed a bunch of models today, and I am I am black priming. It's not really a priming coat because the uh, the cat house is already primed. But I I always start with black when I paint things in wild west exodus i very rarely have ever used any other stark color i always start with black well it's good for shadows and it does it makes all of my things just dark and dreary for this wonderful world of wild west exodus that's how i start even if i'm going to go and do like a big osl you know model such as like raven spirit i still primed it yeah black then i started building up the uh the white and the light blue to make him you know the spirit energy glowy guy you know <laughs> i don't know i just never explored any other color but uh, that, that was painting corner with brian <laughs> yeah, yeah, corner. Uh, so one of the things we wanted to close out the episode on was um some of the the news and uh upcoming posse sets they just announced and stuff like that so eric what what in the next month's teasers are you most excited about? oh let's see so well we have a certain posse set coming out from my faction that i'm interested in uh and it's the edison one that's coming out we get to see just symphony yeah we get to see a new sculpt for edison uh they they changed his pose up a little bit and we get to see a new bot model and his wife that's in it, little ballerina. 
and we get some of the sonic weapons with his posse. So that's going to be kind of interesting. Right. So one of the things most neat is the gun dogs in the set will come with the sonic weapon options. So you could kit out the two gun dogs that come in the set and the three heavy weapon dudes that come in the set with all with sonic weapons. Yeah. So that's going to be really kind of neat to be able to kit out all these really support models for Edison and his main trickery, which is the use of sonic weapons to not only do damage, but then also to use the higher frequency to to cause displacement. Yeah, yeah. So that'll be interesting. It's kind of a, a new... Uh, well, he, I can't say new, because he kind of had something similar in first edition, but it's a new weapon quality for us uh in second edition uh so that'll be interesting how about you brian what which one are you looking forward to um i'm really looking forward to the 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 golden army okay you know we're finally gonna get poncho villa's box set yeah and and, um it's got a couple of new models in it so that's always good you know we're, we're we're gonna see the revolutionary uh she's standing on uh okay so Side note, uh, interrupting myself. Uh, <laughs> this posse box is literally everybody standing on a box or a rock, except for one model. So it's like a bo- uh, it's a box of like six, seven models, and they all are standing on boxes. It's actually kind of funny. I think Pancho Villa is the only one not on a box, but everyone else has got a foot up on a box. <laughs> but no, really. So so. They have some pretty cool two new models that I'm really looking forward to, and you know it, a lot of people have been waiting for this one. Yeah, and it, it definitely also kind of puts a looming question or uh, a a eagerness to the next Golden Army box, which is going to be really soon. I, I'm I'm just itching to, to 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 get confirmation on that. But why would it not be like really soon now that we're getting Pancho Villa that the bloody Espinosa should be out soon. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, then you can mix and match the posses and, you know, kind of fill one or the other out with the other, you know, the other posse, um, kind of like what we see with the Condistadors. I mean, I'm seeing yeah. people combine those ones. Right, it, and, then, and then on top of that, the um, if you play Warrior Nation and you are eagerly awaiting the arrival of your your new box set that just, you know, started delivering on pre-order. The, uh, what was it called? The, the Way of the Wolf. The Way of the Wolf, yeah. The the new posse set for Ghost Wolf yeah. is, um, it comes with the two, the two hunting wolves. And the next pre-order has a way for you to buy those in a box. So yeah. you get two, two wolves and it definitely is going to allow you to really expand on that posse box by picking up a you know additional pairs of these hunting wolves so you can really flesh out those those posses so warrior nation fans are going to be excited for that well even non-warrior nation fans are going to be excited for that (laughs) that may actually get me to play warrior nation just because i like the concept of all those wolves that's that's really cool to me yep so another pre-order coming up is the the order is going to have the reinforcements of the tumbler coming to 
the pre-order. So they've, they've actually redesigned parts of the tumbler, and I really like the new design. They, um, you know, it's, it's not that different, but some of the elements that they've changed really do fit as, as being a little more high-tech or more advanced. So like the, the exhaust piping is different shapes and the and the the shapes just look you know just look more high tech instead of just the traditional round pipes they they they're more squarish and they just they just look really cool and then the weapons on this the tumbler have have been changed a little bit and they don't look like traditional cannons anymore so you know all both of which is that's cool right I, I forgot they did those little changes to it Right, and, and 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 even the pilot got a little bit of love, and he's not driving around with no no helmet. So now he's going to have something on his face. He's got goggles. He's, <laughs> he's got a bucket up. on. <laughs> the, the poor guy, the last, the poor guy in the tumbler I own. He's out there. He's bald. You know that's why he's bald. He's probably been struck with debris so many times driving around in his tumbler. <laughs> So now he's going to be wearing a helmet. So, you know, it's good. Let's see. What else we got? So we got uh, Nakano is coming out. That was their show exclusive uh, this past year. And let me tell you, there's going to be people out there that fall in love with her because I've been using her lately, and she's just, she's awesome. I really like her. You and me both. I mean, I like the fact that she's, uh, you know, with the emissary and stuff that you can kind of take her in a couple different factions you know she'll work for the lawman she'll do outlaw uh i believe she'll do union yep. i can't remember if she goes with any of the other ones but i just i like the versatility of her and just what she brings is you know it it can work in any of those factions to help oh she's a she's a melee fiend but then she's got a few little tricks and things that help out just beyond her being a melee you know, face. Yeah. So one of the things most often overlooked is she can take a peek at, at the top card of a deck. So you can do a little pre-planning uh, with her. You can get a little heads up of what to do next. So definitely a, a neat move. Uh, she also gives, um, she's treasure hunter. So she gives you another mm-hmm. uh, venture card. That's which big. Is huge. Yeah, that is really um, huge. You know, especially if you play any of the other treasure hunting bosses, like Elena Miller, (laughs) or those of you big fans of Marcus Wayward. I don't Um, know what you're talking about, Brian. (laughs) Right. Then, now, you're going to have two more cards than your opponent. (laughs) So, yeah, definitely uh, a a good model. If you don't already have her, um, having her in the store is great. Yeah. And another side of that is with her going into the store, uh, that also means the potential for 2019 special model for the upcoming cons. Yeah, as we're getting closer to the spring, um, isn't that usually when they unveil that, like at Essen or something? I I don't know. It it really just depends on how fast they can get it developed and then produced it enough to actually splash down. Yeah. Uh, Like... The first special model, which was the, you know, the crown outlaw model. Our little pirate queen that we had. Pirate queen of the Nautilus, Rainy Namu. 
she actually literally came i guess showed up in in england the day before the team left for adepticon and when i say team it was uh daz joined uh, <laughs> yeah. me, tom and scott <laughs> uh, for that year adepticon and it literally showed up and he brought some to adepticon and we started passing them out at adepticon but they weren't boxed yeah so they were literally he literally just grabbed handfuls of the plastics in baggies and you know jumped on the plane <laughs> <laughs> which was amazing because you know it was definitely kind of neat because we were giving these giving these out to you know fans of the game and you know so it was like the first splashdown of that that model it was kind of neat but when we talked about it on uh, their art council there was a a voice from the roar cradle team a pretty up high up voice basically teasing that he had just seen the 2019 design. Mm. So it is happening. Uh, and he, 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 he teased that it, it looked really good. So, uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, I'm interested to see how they go with it because I know Stuart had one time mentioned that those these special models they they want to use it as a way of teasing what's coming in the future of the game. Yeah, that's why the first one we saw a little bit of the crown, and with the second one we saw a little bit of you know the the celestials or I mean that that name keeps changing, but uh, I'm not sure what their the empire is called, but it's the celestial empire. In, in the Far East, uh, I want to man, wouldn't it be cool if we get maybe a Prussian model this time yeah. or, or well, something like that? Yeah, something that will help tie in more of the dystopian. Another, the dystopian wars yeah. uh, actions. I, I think one of the Germanic Ottoman Empire one, that would be cool too. You know, I, I that's what's neat. Uh, that's why I'm most excited is to see how they're going to tease us with it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of what's to come. Well, what other new releases we got here? We got uh, Spirit Totem. So those ones have been out of print for a while. Uh, and if you got some, you're lucky to get some on the, the either off of the War Cradle Classics or maybe uh, find them on you know eBay or Amazon maybe still had some in stock, but they are re-releasing them for all the Warrior Nation guys uh, that want to have a way to make those guys just jump around the board. So that is our, let's see, we got one, two, three, four, five, six March releases that are up for pre-order, and they usually ship those towards the end of the month for all you guys that want to get them. And this this month should be arriving any day soon to all you guys that ordered them. So that was kind of our new stuff that's coming out. Uh, what else do we got to talk about for our closing real quick? Well, you know what? We like to remind listeners about sending in comments and questions for our Pony Express Mailbag Bonanza. Uh, you guys keep sending those in. We're collecting them still. 
and throwing them in the hat. So on a future episode, maybe we'll have a segment where we just do questions and comments. And it can be anything. It could be Wild West X related. It could be Western movie related. Anything, you know. We like having fun with that stuff. Uh, And also, we want to remind everybody about our contest. I just, the other day, kind of reposted up a little post on Facebook reminding everybody about our contest for our 12th episode, which will be our anniversary episode. It's going to be 12. We'll make it to 12. And our contest was, real quick, it's just you guys write in some kind of story, a Wild West Exodus story, a short story, and just include our saloon, the Black Hoof Saloon. And we mentioned having the three iconic saloon personas episode one i believe it was we talked about early on uh which one of us would be such and such in the saloon you know include three of those in there and just send it in to us and we're gonna pick one the prize for the contest is we're actually going to be giving away a shiny brand new wild west exodus saloon so if you guys want a saloon and you don't have one, you know, write us up something. We'd, we'd love to see what you guys come up with in, in the world of Wild West Exodus. And um, if it's not too long, we may even actually read it on the air. Or, you know, I was thinking is maybe if it's really cool, it's got dialogue in it and stuff, that we would, you know, do some kind of drama to take. Ta- I can't talk, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, where's Tom? We we need him to, I need, to I need Tom our, for you know to ask ask uh, Siri how to say <laughs> words. <laughs> words are hard. Words, right? <laughs> but yeah, we wanted to do some kind of drama of the story and have different people. We know enough people in our family and stuff that could you know act it out and do like an old radio broadcast of it. You know, maybe. Uh, throw in a lot of production in it and add some sound effects and stuff like that. I think that'd be kind of cool. Right. If we did that, we'd probably just make it like a sideshow or something, like a supplemental show. But, yeah, send those in, guys. Uh, You guys got till, I believe I said, the beginning of April, like April 10th. Give us a little bit of time to, you know, read through them all, review them, decide which ones really make us laugh and or what ones we thought was cool and stuff. Uh, and you can just send those into our Gmail account, blackhoofsaloon at gmail.com. That's probably the best way to get it to us that all of us can, you know, read it and stuff. And I think that's about it for reminders for everybody. I know there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of new players out there on the Dark Council that were asking questions about posse building and stuff which kind of ties in with tournaments and stuff coming up and adepticon and the uk games expo and you know all those ones are coming up pretty soon and it you know if you don't find the answer online shoot us a message you guys can always refer back to one of our older episodes episode two we talked about posse building and that may help you guys out but um i think that about wraps up uh episode 10 brian we made it to 10 think so pretty awesome thanks for all the fans we love seeing all the different listens on on our 
our podcast. So uh, hope you enjoy another one, and we'll see you for episode 11. Yep. So like we said, you guys can get a hold of us on Facebook at Black Hoof WWX Podcast. Send us emails at BlackHoofSaloon at gmail.com. And we are actually now on Twitter at Black Hoof Saloon. So if you guys want to follow us on Twitter, uh, we'll try to tweet stuff when we got stuff going on. I'm still struggling trying to figure out the tweets. But. Well, that's the first clue is you don't call them the tweets. They're the tweets. <laughs> don't even start asking me about Instagram. I, I don't know anything about that one. Anyway, hey, I, I am actively using Instagram. I am. Uh, I will explore that as our next social media option for the Black Hoops. Okay, that's all yours. So. <laughs> <laughs> Keep an eye out. <laughs> so, guys, listen while you're rolling up your scenarios, and whether you're playing a uh, basic adventures, or if you're in the Badlands fending off honorary dogs beast or you mean uh what was that word right click <laughs> tom tom where are you <laughs> or while you're fending off honorary dogs beast the, 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 or making Amen. a last stand <laughs> this is eric saying take it easy and remember to ride with the sun at your back and always roll those crits we will see you later. Say goodbye, Brian. Give him a yeehaw, Brian. Yeehaw! <laughs> <laughs>Thanks for stopping by the Black Hoof Saloon, y'all. We hope you enjoyed your visit. Feel free to get a hold of us with comments or questions via the interweb and shoot us a telegraph at blackhoofsaloon at gmail.com or Find us on the Facebook at Black Hoof WWX Podcast. Music provided for use by Ross Bugden and can be found at one of his YouTube channels, Ross Bugden Music or Ross Bugden Composer. Until your next visit, ride with the sun at your back and always roll those crits. So if he's not a complete one, he doesn't care. He just wants to play. Right. So as long as they have that option. It's like catching in your mirror, in your watch. I keep catching like some dude's face in your watch. Do you have like a TV on or something? What's that? Oh, you know what? I'm probably catching my own face on your... <laughs> 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 I keep catching a reflection of somebody's face in your... No, no, no. It, it was just black and it was reflecting whatever oh. screen... Uh, it's probably probably like me because I'm like there's a beard who's I keep seeing he's he was having a Twilight Zone moment <laughs> he's still in oh, my soul. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, I mean, we got something, so I can start at least editing um, right. right away. That way it doesn't kill me at the end of the month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a short month, too. Oh, God, you had to, I did, you had to remind me. <laughs> <laughs> so, But that just means we get to Adepticon quicker. I mean, except for Brian. Oh, man. Got that ice pack, Brian? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Oh, man. He was, like... he was turning around. I thought he was going to come up with a billy club or something. <laughs> I couldn't get to the camera quick enough to take a shot of that. <laughs> Did you tell Brian why you wanted to put Jedrick in there? Uh, I only put him in there because... Uh, because 2020 was in there. Oh, you told me it'd be like it would be like Brian was there. Oh yeah, yeah, it'd be, it would be it would be like Brian's there. But now I'm looking <laughs> oh, at it and going. But now I'm looking at it going. Man, you know, maybe putting Gozen in there would be better. <laughs> I, I I I just want verification. Let me see. I've met my New Year's resolution. You painted a model. Woo! I've painted a model. Um, I will get to the marbling the base, but I do those in batches. So. Yeah, so they all so that will match up. the rest of them. But look, there's even like some sort of shading and highlighting. Oh man! Oh. Wow! How's it feel, Tom? How's it feel to get back in the saddle, so to say? Oh, it's kind of nice, actually. I'm, you know, my my hand is shaky as crap. I can't draw a line <laughs> worth a damn. You probably can't see either. You know what that's called? That's because we're turning into old farts. Yeah, I have shaky hands. I can't see, and um, and I'm okay with that <laughs> at yeah. this point. You know what? Just get get some color on them. 